Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. the screen we're not together this week so here we are again (laughs) you just got back from a magical trip tell us all about it yeah let's talk about that but first let's address that we've recorded this podcast twice this week oh yeah there is that so for the first time ever we (laughs) did a redo we had a little whoopsie doopsie (laughs) Well, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but... No, it was really weird, actually. It was I just weird. felt like shit after we recorded, and I was just like, something feels weird, and then you called me, and I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Because you were like, yeah, something feels weird. Yeah, we and recorded an hour and ten minute episode, and we were all over the place. We were just talking about random things that were really important, like really important things that had happened to us this week but none of it really fit together and we weren't being as truthful as we wanted to be that was the thing for me i was holding back and i didn't like how that felt yeah it was uncomfortable yeah and i called you after i i didn't call you thinking that we were going to re-record the episode i just kind of called you to like check and see I don't know, almost like apologize or something. I, it felt really weird. Also, we have to remember that Mercury's in retrograde for all you spiritual people out there. So that messes Mercury with communication. Is like totally in retrograde right now. And like the communication is totally like weird. Really just like messing with my vibe. <laughs> so we decided to re record. So here we are on the morning. Of our release, because we always release on Saturday nights, so you guys are hearing an episode that was recorded literally this morning, which is unprecedented, unprecedented in the history of the Lucy and Annabelle show. I can't stop filling with my hair, because I recently, in solidarity with the Friends reunion, got the Rachel, which was a huge mistake. Uh, You're sporting (laughs) the Rachel there. I am sporting the Matthew Perry. Are you in need of a haircut? I am in need of a makeover in general, I would say. Oh, let me When are you taking me shopping? You've been promising me this for weeks and it doesn't seem to ever come to fruition. Because you're fucking busy all the time. Literally, I have nothing on. I'll go anytime. Look what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing a moth-eaten sweater because of you. Because you won't take me shopping. A moth-eaten sweater? That's disgusting. Well, look at it. It has holes in it. That's the design, you dingus. Listen, I pay a lot of money to look this. Uh, what did Dolly Parton say? It caught. She says it, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. That's right. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Anyways, so we recorded and we deleted it in the trash, and here we are again. And let's just be honest and have a nice chat. Look, let's be honest, people. Let's be honest. That's what we should um, So, up yeah, I for. went to Carmel and with some friends, and it was great. Yeah. Um, we had a fantastic time, and it was really interesting to go there now, like, again, because 
as some of you may remember, I went earlier in the year and had right. a kind of really special time there. And it kind of, that's where I sort of f- felt like my kind of self come back to life slightly. So right, you had that, so you had that, yeah, that, that dinner with, with my sisters. sisters where you were laughing yeah. and that had kind of been the yeah. first time that you threw your head back in laughter. Yeah. And so it was interesting to go back now while the weather was a bit warmer and and it and was also, a big time marker that you went mm-hmm. back during tell us about yeah what was I going was on. there for the six month mark since the crash since the boys died and so that was I felt a bit wobbly the night before and we were out to dinner and a couple of things that happened on the trip that were felt very, you know how I am, everyone. You know how I am kind of a little bit woo-woo and spiritual. And I felt like I was visited a couple of times on the trip. And yeah. not necessarily by Ryan and Max, but by, as Lucy says, spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was two weird things that happened um both of them happened at the dinners so the dinner on the first night was by the way at this fantastic restaurant called La Bicyclette which everyone should go to if they're in Carmel the waitress came up and first of all had some wine you guys was that your first time having wine wine? well it was my first time having like a whole glass jeez (laughs) Definitely got. A I tried diddly. to force you to drink champagne two weeks ago on the I show, know. and that was a disaster. But that was good. <laughs> no, it was good. That kind of broke the seal for me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I like the taste of this," um, and I'm fine. I'm not freaking out. The fear is that I'm going to get drunk and have a f- mental breakdown. But it's just silly. I need to trust myself better than this. Well, um, you did. You took the leap. You had a glass, and and it yeah, felt, I had a glass. It, did you get felt drunk? Nice. Yeah, it was definitely tiddly, but I felt safe because I was with my friend, so I was fine. Yeah. Um, And the waitress came over, blah, 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 blah. And she said something which made me kind of giggle. And I was like, I love that you just said that. It made me feel like a, a naughty child or something. And um, And she was like, well, look at you. She said, you are spring chicken. And she just went into this whole thing about how I have a whole life ahead of me. And all of this stuff. And I was just Whoa. like, she was like, look at you. You have so much living to do. You have a whole life ahead of you. Enjoy your wine. Enjoy this dinner. Just, she went into this whole thing. I was just like. I've never had a waitress say that to me ever. It was so weird. And there was no thing which I said to her to create an environment where that would be something that she would say. Right. And I was just sitting there and my friends and I were looking at her like, What? We just looked at each other. Anyway, so that was that. And then the next night, which was the last night of the trip, I'd been fine all day. And, you know, as these anniversary type things, whatever, come up, I kind of brace slightly. Yeah. Because I just don't know how I'm going to react. And, so, and I think that obviously, that obviously we're seeing a pattern here, everyone, is that I am worried constantly about what my reaction to things is going to be. I think because I felt quite steady so far that I just am thinking to myself, well, 
surely I'm going to have a freak out and go crazy at some point. And it's sort of just, no, I, I'm not. Well, you these know, are I don't also, think these that- are big steps that you're taking. I mean, you, it was, it, that is a big deal to have your first glass of wine. I understand yeah. your fear in, in wondering what would happen if you got drunk. To be out in a restaurant. I mean, do you remember mm-hmm. a couple months ago when you could not go out to a public place like that? You had not been out to eat since they died. You remember when we went to the party on my friend's boat and I like was holding you. There's a picture yeah. of us where I've got my arm around you and I was supporting you to the boat and it was on the same runway <laughs> dock where runway. you and Ryan yeah. had gotten married. These are all big steps You're right. not to I... be underestimated. And then at the anniversary of things, like a six-month mark, the brain does weird things. It comes up mm. with so many strange thoughts. So Yeah, it does. And you're right. And I think that's the thing, listen, is that was the interesting thing about being in Carmel this time was I was sort of awake for it. I was there and enjoying it, but I was dipping in and out when I was there before. And I had those really special moments, but I was fully uh, cognizant, is that the word? and of my experience so I was very there and and I think thank you for saying that because here's the thing I am just going day to day and I am not I'm not watching me I'm just being doing the thing so I don't think to myself god Annabelle you've come so far you couldn't even go into a public space 10 weeks ago doesn't even cross my mind but you're absolutely right yeah remember that this was i just don't this was maybe your what maybe your fourth time out at a dinner yeah yeah and then the dinner the next night was where the really wild thing happened and it was the last night and i was feeling griefy and i didn't want to bum everyone out i didn't want to you know it just Sometimes when you're in this space, it's like everyone else has moved on. It's been six months. And of course, everyone else hasn't moved on. That's bullshit. But, you know, we're getting back to normal. I I am trusted now by my family to go off and do things by myself and, like, take a trip with people and, you know, all of that stuff. And that we're also moving forward. Applies, it also applies to the podcast because when I called you after we did our disastrous episode a few days ago that we're not going to be airing. Um, (laughs) You mentioned feeling the same in this situation where the six-month mark was very deep for you. And you're breezing over it right now by saying I was griefy that day, but you told me that it was very, very difficult. So you have the space here to be truthful about it and... It was a tough day. I know, day. I think, I think it's just, I don't, I, I'm, there's the voice in my head going, don't bore everyone, shut up, you know. Well, you're not boring me and I'm the only on one on here, on so keep going. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, so, I went to the bathroom, I excused myself, as you love it when I say. I excused myself <laughs> and sort of had a t- chat with myself in the mirror as I do from time to time. Like, Bitch, you better fuck Get your shit together. Good damn no. <laughs> from the morning, so from the time you woke up, it was on your mind, right? Yeah, it was. And, and you I were just really I was missing really Ryan, missing Ryan. I was really missing Ryan. And I I went off to the bathroom to try and straighten myself out and I came back and I had made the decision in there that I wasn't gonna say that I was feeling bad and missing Ryan loads. And 
Even though it was like it was, you were brimming with it. It it couldn't keep it inside, and it was obvious as well. You know, it's like it was obvious I wasn't quite myself, and so I went back to the table, and there was this young married couple at the next table, and they had this big stupid fluffy white dog that was a pedigree, you know, and you know how I am. I'm like death penalty to people who don't rescue animals. Mm -hmm. It's just one of my things. And it's so funny because all my friends bought their dogs. No God, thousands of of dollars. I know, for thousands of dollars. And it's like an ongoing joke about how horrible I am to that. I'm just like, ugh, I can't even look at it. (laughs) Um, So do think about whatever you want about that. But I was looking at this stupid dog and I was just like, God, that dog's so... I don't know, and this old couple came by and was like, oh, your dog's so lovely, is it pedigree? And they were like, yeah. And I was just like, ugh, yuck. And then I realised that I wasn't angry about the stupid dog. I was angry because there was this beautiful young married couple with their stupid dog, and this old couple came by and was like, oh, what a lovely couple, and oh, your dog, and well, and I was like, Fuck that dog. That that used to be me. What's right. happened? You know? And I haven't had that feeling in a long time. I haven't seen a young married couple and been uh, angry. Envious? envious? Just angry. Angry. Uh, not envious. And, angry. Yeah, angry. And I think it's because I was feeling so raw because it was six months that you know, I've seen loads of couples and I see them and I think, oh, sweet, lovely. Like, I know how that feels and they're going to have a wonderful relationship and the whole thing. You know, what happened to me isn't going to be happening to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I'm not angry at the dog to my friends. I was like, I'm angry because of the young married couple and I'm mm-hmm. really missing Ryan and I didn't want to say anything, but I'm just, I'm feeling really sad and it's the last night of the trip and I didn't want to, you know... And so I'm glad I just said something because as we've noted before, when I don't say, hey, I'm feeling a bit sensitive, especially to those closest to me, I'm not giving people the opportunity to have an authentic experience. I'm not giving myself the opportunity to click in and have an authentic experience. I'm not treating myself properly. I'm not allowing others to treat me properly. And it's a good reminder to myself and anyone who may need it at this time or you, or you know, Mm -hmm. that it's really really important to just take a second sometimes. And you don't have to go and give everyone every fucking detail about how you're feeling. But today, but to say, you know, I'm feeling slightly sensitive right now. And I'm just letting you know, because... I know I'm being a bit off and it's not a personal thing and I'm having a great time. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. So anyways. Just sharing. Sharing. Sharing, yeah. Uh, And I did that and immediately felt so much better, of course. And your friends completely understood. Completely understood. And they were like, we know you're not angry at the dog. Um, Because who could be angry at a cute, fluffy dog? (laughs) Um. And so then what happened was a uh, man came to the restaurant. You know how they play guitar at the yes. restaurant oh sometimes? God, mortifying. We were at the most picturesque, charming, fucking angelic 
cute little place ever. It had flower baskets and I was in like a fairy house that looked like something from a fairy tale. And it was just candles and burning heaters and it was just like, wow, magic. And, you know, couldn't be more lovely and idyllic. Mm -hmm. Sitting there, along comes the guitarist and... There are a couple of things in this world, a couple two tree things I cannot stand. I hate the happy birthday song. I hate that song. Happy you birthday. hate being Don't sung happy birthday too? Can't. Oh, I'm stand so glad I have it. this information right in time for your birthday. Yes. You know, and everyone's like, stand tell me other things you hate. And it's just. And I and hate you- when the guitarist comes to the restaurant. I hate it. It's so And comes to your table and plays music to you. I feel like I want to turn my body inside out. <laughs> Me too. And perish. <laughs> I do not want to live in those moments. Please don't come near me. Do not look into my <laughs> eyes as you sing this song. I hate it and then everyone else oh. is looking at you and the whole restaurant's looking at you oh i, so I just stupid. i there just got two of- really really great things about you that i can use against you in the future i'm you're so you're not excited. invited to my birthday oh it's happening you no, can't stop me <laughs> <laughs> so he over he comes he's singing this song and he comes over and uh, have I ever mentioned my obsession with old men and how cute they are and I'm, like, obsessed with them? Um, no. My old man farm, which I'm going to have? No, an old man farm. Yeah, like a retreat for old, lonely old men. I don't know that that sounds politically <laughs> correct, but I'm sure your intentions are good. If it's not politically correct, it's definitely something that I'm interested in. Um, <laughs> it's a retreat farm for old men who are lonely... No women? No one to take care of them. No, just old men. Oh. They're just really much sadder than old women. They just look so much more lonely and helpless than than the old women. Women, we just get on with it. We crack on. We get through. But, you know, you've got these widowed old men. They're all How much is it going to cost them? Free. Free? Yeah, it's free. Who's paying for it? Me. I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm (laughs) going to house them all. They're going to have lovely rooms with comfy chairs and beds. Okay. Breakfast served to them. Is it going to be an Any- Amalfi? Haven't decided yet. Okay. I, th- those are two, two, I'm sorry, I forgot we yeah, don't ask another those episode, yet. Another episode, another so episode. So what is that, what does little cute old men have to do with this singer so at So he table? was one of them. Oh, he was. He was. Like was. Cute old, he was a candidate for sure for the farm. And Did you slip he- him your business card? <laughs> no, because I was trying to run away. Um, <laughs> sat there, over he came, and I just thought, I'm just going to go with it. So I put my head on my hand and I said lovingly into his eyes and maintained eye contact for the entire oh, time. Awkward, painfully awkward. Oh, you know what? I actually kind of liked it. <sighs> uh, I've changed. And from now on, I don't think I'm going to hate it so much. Well, probably still the birthday song, but this I think I can manage now. Because um, it feels very pure. It's a very pure moment, I think, actually. So anyways, this old man singing into my eyes. My friend opposite me looks at me and his eyes have gone red and he's sort of welling up and he's like I'm trying to think of the words and the man is singing to me in Spanish okay so he knows that he knows this song but it's being sung in Spanish and he's trying to piece it together but his eyes are welling up because he knows what the lyrics are and 
just before this man had come up, I had told them, you know, I'm feeling griefy. And I was talking about how it feels like the crash was 100 years ago, but also it feels like it has just very just happened. Mm. And occasionally I'll be doing something and it's like I'm in that first moment again on the morning when it happened, when I realised everything had changed before I'd even got the call that they were dead. Um, And I get taken back to that place sometimes completely randomly, which is so weird. I guess it's just classic PTSD. You're doing something and then all of a sudden you get hit with the memory. You've mentioned yeah, you go it's back just, to that moment. Yeah, it's that, that's the moment is when I was walking downstairs and I, as I was stepping off the bottom step into the living room, I ju- that's when I knew. And it felt like stepping down into forever. It, the world was just like, you know, like being underwater. And like I just was going down and down and down and sinking like a brick. And mm-hmm. occasionally I'll be doing something and I get brought back to that moment. And I can very, very clearly feel it, it as though it's happening again, like it did the first time. So it feels fresh. And... I was talking to my friends about that and I said, you know, I know that this is going to fade. I know that this is PTSD. I know it's going to fade. And the reason I know it's going to fade is because the sound of the crash has gone. Mm. And if I see a crash or I see something, then it comes back. But it's not replaying in my head all of the time like it was. So my friend said to me, I've just realized what the song is that the guy's playing. And what was it? it is called Last Kiss by J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers. And the song is about a car crash. And the lyrics are, well, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I got to be good, so I can see my baby when I leave this world. We were out on a date in my daddy's car. We hadn't driven very far. There in the road, straight ahead, the car was stalled. The engine was dead. I couldn't stop, so I swerved to the right. I'll never forget the sound that night. The crying tires, the busting glass, the painful scream that I heard last. Well, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I've got to be good, so I can see my baby when I leave this world. Well, I woke up, the rain was pouring down. There were people standing all around, something warm running in my eyes, but I found my baby somehow that night. I raised her head, and when she smiled and said, Hold me, darling, for a little while, I held her close, I kissed her. I held her close, I kissed her, our last kiss. I found the love that I knew I would miss, but now she's gone, even though I hold her tight, I lost my love, my life that night. And we both just started crying. Oof. It, we just couldn't believe it. We couldn't. That's a, that's a very obscure song from the fifties. Nobody and like he I, was, you, you. You rarely hear that. So most people have never heard that song before. That is, and he was singing it in Spanish on like Spanish guitar. And you were with my someone friend. who knew that obscure song. And we just started crying, and you know, dinner was kind of over from that point because. It was such a profound thing to happen. 
and the friend who said to me the lyrics and what the song was, he's not necessarily somebody that is super into ghosts, spirits, mm-hmm. spiritual stuff, the other side, you know, he definitely humors me, I think, to an extent and has you know, an open heart to it, but, but it I think it's hard. definitely not in as deep as you and I are. And it really hit him hard. And he said to me, and I've never heard him say anything like this, he said, I think that that was a visit. Hmm. I I don't know what else that could be. Well, did the guy sing because other once, songs? Nope. Once he sang that song, he packed up his guitar and he left the restaurant. <laughs> oh my god. He came, he played one song. Ah. Oh. And he left the restaurant. Wow. What? The fuck? Well, that was Ryan supporting you on the six month mark. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. So fucking crazy. And just it. That has been one of the craziest things that's happened. And listen, I know that not everyone believes all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I know that people can tell themselves all kinds of things. And, you know, you're coping. When you're grieving, you're coping. And and I think there is a degree of things that you tell yourself to, to comfort yourself. For me, I just don't understand how if so many grievers have the same story mm-hmm. and it's basically every single person you talk to and i know this one lady who completely atheist not interested in these kinds of things uh even she in the face of this has been changed by it and when you experience a loss that's this profound I think that you you know as we've discussed there are varying degrees of loss and people leave at different times well these are two very young vibrant vital people Mm -hmm. and while they left their work isn't done Mm -hmm. and that is just the message that I keep getting again and again and again. And it's from all different people who knew Ryan and Max. And unconnected, as I've said before, Ryan knew people from all over the world and all different walks of life. And everyone has the same message. And it's just something I'm really interested in. And it's something I would I wanted to talk about is how the dynamic can change between the living and the dead once the relationship shifts into one person being alive and one person being dead. It changes so much. It changes so much. It really does. I've experienced that, and I know you're experiencing it with Ryan and Max. And your dad. Yeah, and, and, and my dad was my first experience of it. Um, I'm just going to put this here. My dad was my first experience of a relationship changing in death, and it was completely different than than mine with Ryan. But when my dad died, I felt 
and we all felt, and this is not going to make everyone happy to hear this, but we felt relieved Mm -hmm. because dad was a a quite tortured man, Mm. you know, and he had his problems. He had his drinking problems. He had his depression problems. He had intimacy issues. He had... He was addicted to work. He was running at 100 miles an hour all the time in order to to just get through the day and survive. And he wouldn't stop. So he was stopped. Right. That relief I felt was something I felt really guilty about at first. And then it shifted Because I began to realise that almost like we were saying the other day about how you have to let people have their experiences. I believe that for the dead too. Mm -hmm. I think I felt relieved because I think he was relieved. And we, everyone close to him felt relieved because I think he was relieved. And my relationship with my dad changed because I was able to be with him as much as I wanted now. I was able to love him with no uh, drinking problems, with no, without his tortured human experience, just his essence made our dynamic completely shift and our relationship completely shift. But from what I felt from him was... He and I never got our time together when he was alive. The Mm -hmm. time that he wanted so desperately with me that I read in his notebooks and his journals after he died and in the letters that he never sent that I found by the fax machine and, you know, all of that stuff when we were going through his house. He was craving time with me for my whole life and he never got it. Well, now... (laughs) We can be together as much or as little as either of us want. There is nothing stopping us. Mm. And that has been so beautiful because all the loveliest parts of my dad for us now as a family are what beams through. Uh, Of course, we're not rose-tinting the situation. You know, of course, there are situations where... You know, both of us, me and my sister Sarah, think, oh, God, thank God he's not here right now. It's be awful. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, and vice versa. Like, for instance, with with this thing I've experienced now with Ryan and Max, he would, my dad would have been there come fucking hell or high water. He would have slept in this bed with me for six months if that's what I needed him to do. He would have held my hand. He would have washed my hair. He would have walked me around the block. He would have, that's who he was. Mm. Um... But the dynamics completely shifted. And with Ryan, it's profound because everyone keeps saying the same thing to me is that they feel he's at at peace. They feel him there so much still. He's still that voice that's telling people, great job, that shit, don't do that. And it's almost like he... 
doesn't have any of the hang-ups of the corporation that he worked at or in fucking health insurance or this or that or you know all these things that tie us down and make us have to live a certain way and make certain decisions and you know he doesn't have to be wrapped up in this system anymore that he resented so deeply all he wanted to do was be free and make music but he was so programmed as we all are to get the good job and get the good salary and get the health insurance and save and invest and all those things and be serious and um you know that's what the world tells us you know and thank god he was that way because if he wasn't that way i wouldn't be taken care of right now i wouldn't be Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have the security that i have but his that was always at a, a, a price for me was watching somebody i love have to live a life that they didn't really want to live they they Mm. wanted something else but but i knew and he knew he was never ever ever going to make a different choice i said to him a hundred times if you want to fucking quit your job tomorrow and go and work at a piano bar then let's do it i want you to be happy every day yeah life is short he was never going to do that ever (laughs) you know never so now he is free of all of that. Yes, he is. And his whole message, which is leave everyone better than you find them. All of his messages, do the craziest thing, say the thing that, that you know, everyone else is thinking but doesn't want to say, put the crazy ideas out there, take the risk, say sorry later, all of those things. All of his messages are coming through so loud and clear and so unfiltered and so pure that it's like we have this deeper relationship than what we had almost when he was alive which is incredible to even say because we were thick as thieves ryan and i were the best of friends almost more than anything else we were best friends Mm. and that's how i knew i wanted to spend the rest of my life with him because this was somebody that i was the greatest of friends with and knew i could do life with you know, even when I was going to, like, tuck my tits into my belt and, you know, <laughs> we were going to be old and, you know, whatever. Yeah. When things get hard, who do you want to do life with? Well, that was him for me. And I just lost my train of thought. Ryan and I were playmates, you know, and yeah. so I know why I tuned out because I was about to get really real. Okay. Go ahead and say it. Our relationship has shifted now. I feel as though Ryan is able to love me now in a way that he almost couldn't when he was alive. And we are able to have a dynamic now that would have been impossible when he was alive because... The ideas of what we were meant to be doing as husband and wife and the life we were meant to live and the way a relationship's supposed to work and all of those things doesn't matter anymore. Mm. All Ryan said to me from the day that we started seeing each other was, I want to take care of you. 
I want to give you everything your parents could never give you and didn't give you and should have given you. I want to provide for you. I want to put you in a house where there is music. I want you to hang your gypsy rags around and make your art. <laughs> Lord knows you got a lot of gypsy rags, girl. Well, that's what is exactly what he's done. Yeah. It's exactly what he said he wanted to do. Yeah. And now it's like we have this dynamic now where we don't have to worry about time or getting up and stress and artists that he has to deal with and deadlines and budget reports and what are we going to do at Thanksgiving and all of these confines that almost stopped him being the soul that he was longing to be. Okay, this is so important, everything you just said. Thank you for sharing it. I know it takes courage because you feel like it sounds nuts, but I will tell you that more people than you think can relate. You said it. Why are we all having the same shared experiences yeah. around death if it's not real? There is a program, if anybody wants to watch, on Netflix called Surviving Death, and they have episodes about different aspects of death. They have reincarnation. They have signs. They have, they they have near-death experiences. It's very informative, and they have the same point. They share many different people's stories from all over the world, and everyone says, if they say, I feel crazy, number one, and number two, but if everyone's saying the same thing, are we all crazy or is it real? And I have heard from many friends the same thing you're saying, that relationships shift after the person passes. Mm. I've felt it myself. I have felt it with my cat. For those mm -hmm. of you who will laugh at that, I'm sorry, but it's true. My relationship with my cat has completely changed. My relationship with my grandmother, my grandfather. I'm not saying much here because I don't want to sound crazy, but I grew up seeing paranormal activity. I was in therapy. Yep. I was in therapy as a child for seeing spirits. Yep. And it's no accident that now I would be marrying Will whose mother and father are the hosts of the number one paranormal activity show in all of Great Britain. And, and our um, dedicated uh, spiritualist, and they've... And his mother... Specialists. Yeah, his mother, Yvette Fielding, is an incredible medium and a psychic. And I have had life-changing experiences mm. with her where... We have done different communications with spirits, and I have seen tables lift off the ground. I have gotten messages. My grandfather came through a few days after he died and said that he is not an atheist anymore, which he was a lifelong atheist. I had my other grandfather come through who died in a plane crash, Robert Fiddler, at the age of 25. He came through, and his message was, don't fly, ha ha. Now, when we were uh -oh. in the seance, these people didn't know my – they didn't know this. Yeah. I'm the one going, holy shit, you guys, this is real. <laughs> okay, so 
I'm holding back in this conversation yeah. because, as you know, as I've shared with you, Max and Ryan came through a few days after they died. Yeah. And what they said to me about you is exactly what you just described about Ryan. Ryan told me, if you don't mind me sharing. No, you can share. Part of the reason that he had passed was to help you in your journey in ways that he couldn't have helped you in life. That you were going to grow from this in ways that he could not have opened you up to in the physical. And I know that doesn't make it better, and I'm not trying to no, tell you, tell you, don't worry. But he also shared that he is making music over there that was not possible in the physical yeah. realm. That there it's are all things. He wanted. It's all he it's wanted. All he wanted. So when you say that all that human stuff was stripped away, and that what's left is the essence of that person, mm. that's what it is. And that is my bottom line here to say about this is let that be a lesson to all of us. You just said the most profound thing, Annabelle. All that human stuff doesn't matter. It's the essence that we are mm. connecting with. And do you want to live your entire life being caught up in that human stuff and missing out on letting that essence come through and mm. guide your life? Are you willing to do that? Is that a sacrifice you're willing to make? Ryan wasn't, and I believe that that's why he left early. As he you knew. just said. I mean, he knew, as I've said to you a hundred times, and maybe I've said that here, I don't know, but he told me when we first met, I'm not going to live past 50. He said that to me. He's like, I don't know why I'm saying that. You would I don't say know it constantly. What's going to happen? He's like, I'm just, I'm going to die by the time I'm 50. And the growth that we experienced together in the five years that we were together was more than some people have in a lifetime. And we gave each other during that time more than either of us had ever been given. And that was one of the things that we loved about our relationship is that we were just, we just lit each other up, you know, and gave yeah. each other permission to be the essence. And in that seance, when I asked him what his message was for you, he said, I'm sorry. I know. And I know I, he's sorry. I believe I know it was is. because he had to leave, but he knew how, you know, he was, he was sorry for the pain that that would put you through. But he did everything in his power to take care of you then he did. and for the future. Yeah. He really, really did. He did. And he, from the first month that we started dating, I remember looking at his life plan was like out on his desk. He used to fastidiously go over it every week and we had we had just started dating and he had already put things in there that he had wanted to achieve for me <laughs> with me in mind and to help me achieve like go to college because I had expressed to him that I wanted to go to college and do psychotherapy training you know, and mm -hmm. he was so dedicated to me. Even in the notes from the week that he died, he had a to-do list that he was constantly adding to. And it said, 30% save 
70% Annabelle. What does that mean? Of the business account, and it was for my music. He was saving, I found out after he died, that he hadn't taken a wage for the year that we had been working on other artists' careers. He had just been letting it sit there to pay for his music that he was doing, but he had left 70% of it in there for me to pay for my music. (laughs) It's beautiful. And so you have a responsibility to get this music out, girl. We're waiting for it. When can we expect new songs? I I know know. you've got them in that brain of yours. I know. I'm trying to get my head around that, but... Yeah, he believed in you so much. And and everything you're saying, don't feel self-conscious at all. I I can match your crazy as much as you want. I am right there with you. I completely understand what you're saying. And others that I've known do as well. So... There's nothing far-fetched I felt about it. it. Yeah, I've just, I felt it so much. And on, on the way back from the trip last week, I was, you know, had one of my playlists on. And, you know, I love that song by Fleetwood Mac, Songbird. It's like one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. of all time ever. And I've never really felt that it was about anything or anyone for me. And obviously since the crash, so many things mean different different things to me now. And it was that song that came on and I, my breath was taken away because I was like, he loves, the, you know, the lyrics of the song are, um, what are they, for you, I'll give the world for you, you know, all of that stuff. And the songbirds were singing like they knew the score and I love you more than ever before. Yeah. I just felt those lyrics so deeply and I was like, wow, I, I feel his love in this new way that is so much deeper and purer and more important in a way than maybe if we just kept going through life the way that we were. all your human crap stuck all over you, yeah. I just have this feeling from Ryan now that he's soaring, that he is, his spirit is soaring and singing. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel Ryan now. And I have my own feelings. I feel mopey for myself and I miss him and I miss his voice and his little face and his funny expressions <laughs> and his smell and, you know, all of those things. I miss him. I miss him. Yeah. His body but physical yeah but for him that feeling of his spirit soaring is like wow how how selfish of me to want him to come back to this drudgery you know it's yeah i mean i've experienced many seances with will's parents and in my own life where you ask the spirits do you want to come back no absolutely not no immediate no And you just think, wow, if they all, I've never had one say yes. 
if they all say no. <laughs> imagine. Imagine. How it's just mind blowing. Wonderful they how feel. wonderful and, and how self yeah, humans are the ones that are sad about about life. <laughs> about wanting back, you know, wanting the person back, but I think that we definitely like I think it's like a choose your own adventure thing. Do you feel that way? Like your soul has lessons to learn and things it needs to do and see and it comes here and and it does those things. There's a book that really changed my life called The Instruction by a writer named Ainsley McLeod. I've probably mentioned it on here before. But it helps you figure out if you believe in reincarnation, which I know not everybody does, but it discusses that very thing that every lifetime our soul comes to learn different aspects of what it is mm. to be human and it helps you discover your purpose and your mm. reason in this lifetime and it, it's it's a workbook it walks you through pinpointing exactly where you are in this lifetime not only yourself but you can look around at people and pretty much figure out you know I have a friend she's not introspective at all She's never had to work a day in her life. She's fine. She's happy. She's fulfilled. She doesn't question shit. I've never had <laughs> a spiritual conversation with her. And for a long time, I judged her for that. And I thought, oh, she's just not, not deep. But mm -hmm. after reading the instruction, I realized that probably in her last lifetime, she was like an army general or something that sent many men to their death, probably experienced a horrific death herself. In this lifetime, she just wants to chill. She just wants to relax. Yeah. You cannot judge anyone for where they are or how you think they're functioning because you don't know their soul's purpose and their journey. No. You don't know. You know what's so interesting about that? I love that. I love that's an interesting way to think about it. It helps and you love people deeper when you remove that human judgment and just take them for where they are. Ryan and Max and I were at dinner with some friends and we were going around the table and saying, because Max was like, you're a witch. You, you know, you know things. I know you know things, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, what's going to happen to us when we die? He said, I want to know around the table, which of us is coming back and who isn't? And as in, like, what's your next time around? And I was like, oh, for God's sake, as if I know that. And anyway, we went around the table. And it was the first time I'd really thought about, like, that kind of concept of my friends' souls and spirits in that way. And I hope this is my last go around. I don't think it is. <laughs> and... With Ryan, I couldn't tell. I, I couldn't tell if he was coming back or not. And now, I don't think he is. Hmm. I think he's done. I think he's done. I think he's out and he's happy to be out. And... Well, we'll see I think, what he says the next time he comes through. <laughs> I know, yeah. And then I think that that can, ch like... For instance, while we're here, I think it can change. So I felt it, a couple it does of things. Change. Yeah. Your purpose felt, can change through your lifetime. That's why yeah. people will be pursuing one career or one thing. And then 
they will lift out and have a completely different life experience and their life is, looks nothing like it did five years ago. That's why. Because your purpose can change many times throughout your lifetime. And I really recently have felt myself go, wow. Me too. <laughs> I think because the last six months for me have just been, I've been in this, in my morning suite, you know. Yeah. This loss has been a profoundly spiritual experience and don't want to say religious it's not religious it's spiritual but an unveiling you know mm -hmm. and uh yeah I think maybe that's why I was in tune enough to feel myself go like two ticks to the north or whatever it yeah, is I mean sometimes it happens and you're not even aware that it's happening in your life but other no. times it is I've never been aware of it yeah until now and I wonder if when people, when different people come into your life, does it change that? Does it change the deal? Are you signing a new thing? You know, I always talk about the deal. <laughs> What's the deal when you came here? You know, because I, I feel strongly that Ryan and I made a deal. Yes. He made me every week promise him. Things. Yeah, we have different spiritual contracts that we fulfill, and then that person leaves your life. Yeah. Your work is done. Speaking of paths changing. Yes. Little Miss Thing over here. <laughs> your path changed a year ago when oh you God. left. And I just want to check in with you because I know you've not done the dinner with your mummy yet. I have not done the dinner with Where you were going to explain to her about what actually happened with you a few years ago when you guys lost contact. Right. And the high control group. Right. And the effects that that has had on your life and your relationships. And, you know, you are now in the process of basically deprogramming yourself from, from that. And I've been asking you week after week about the dinner and that's <sighs> silly that I'm focusing on that because really that's, not what the focus should be on. No, I'm you are. No you I'm are, a nosy bitch. You're keeping me accountable, and you you care because you you're a very you're very involved in your friends' lives. You're very you don't forget things. I tell you, you're always like, what about this and that and this, and you keep me accountable. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I have not gone to dinner with my mom yet. I'm seeing her tonight, so maybe that will be. I think that will be when I bring it up. Just the two of you tonight, or my sister's going to be there, but then she's coming back to my place to spend the night. So great! I think I will get into it with her then. That yeah, it's appropriate. My my purpose, my life, completely transformed since I left this group a year ago that I know I've mentioned in a couple episodes. I don't speak about it much. I try to downplay it because it's a very private thing. And it takes courage to talk about because I've mentioned before all these feelings mixed in of shame and embarrassment and confusion. And the bottom line is that it is uh, something I think is more common than we know to have been under narcissistic abuse which is what I was for 10 years with a specific individual. But in a group in a in, setting. In what would be 
called a high control group setting. Exactly. And the path, the journey of making sense of all that aftermath is really uncomfortable, (laughs) but also liberating, completely liberating. Mm. And I just want to move forward clear and in my own self. I don't want to blame or stay angry. Because you've been, you've been a bit angry the last week about ang- that specifically. It was an angry week, <laughs> yeah. And that's because all of this stuff's coming up. I'm bringing yeah. it all up by doing the work, by doing the research, and by actually doing the work of separating out my thoughts and figuring out what's really my voice and what's the abuse talking it's, it's not easy. It's, it causes somebody to be really confused and really afraid. And for anybody who thinks that they have been under narcissistic abuse, I would urge you to find out for yourself, to Google these terms, to, to do your own research on it. And there is a lot of support available to you. And I had a really interesting, profound experience this week with it. I'm reading a book right now called um, Out of the Fog by a woman named Dana Morningstar. And I was driving home on the freeway, and I was listening to the audiobook. And she read one passage. She includes in her book a lot of different people's experiences just like the stuff about death, it's really good to hear other people's experiences because you realize, oh, I'm mm. not crazy. And that's right. been the main work of this recovery is I felt crazy. I was made to feel by the abuser that I was making it up, that I was wrong, that I was insane. And when I left there, I spent a while feeling insane And I'm sure you still do. I still do. I still do. That is the most harmful part of the abuse, is that you don't know who you are, you don't know what's you and what's the abuse, and you don't know if you're insane. So you're reclaiming your sanity is what you're doing. And what what you mean by that is sort of, okay my reaction to this situation oh i'm having a disagreement with somebody and then you walk out and you realize wait i'm not even that's not what i think this is just the programming or yeah you know your outlook or your point of view you know that i think is something that would be worth sharing because that is one of the most damaging I think effects of of an abusive or you know coercive relationship is that you start to see the world through the eyes of this fucked up person exactly that has taken control of of you in this really insidious way and exactly yeah I had it be a group and it can be a relationship with a mother father sister spouse all Yes, because yes. some of us all have yeah. one 
establishing relationship like that, a parent or sibling or whoever, and then go on to repeat that pattern as I did. Yeah. You know, I am Pull it in several, many times. deeply attracted to narcissistic workaholics or addicts. That's my uh, abuse kind of comfort zone. Right. And it's very comfy, you know. It is. Yeah. I was having uh, an argument with Will the other night and I was really upset and I couldn't let it go. And I was angry and I kept hammering my point home and trying to force it on him. And I stormed out of the room and I came back in and I said, I want to apologize. I'm not really sure if what I'm saying to you is me or the abuse talking. And I'm really confused. And I need your compassion right now. And I need to have compassion for myself because I feel like a fucking fool. That's got to be so hard, Lucy. That's got to be so hard. Separating and- your thoughts out and and reclaiming you. So I was on the freeway. I got to this part in the audiobook that was some woman's story because there's many people's stories. And this to me hit so hard. It was like the core of my experience Mm -hmm. and the thing that makes me the most emotional. And it went like this. In all cases, I always took all of the blame and I always decided it was something I was doing wrong and that it was always something I needed to fix about and within myself. Be funnier, be quicker, be smarter, be prettier, be happier, be more agreeable, be less needy, be less jealous, be thinner, be stronger, be more understanding, be more compassionate, be more empathetic. And it was always all on me. I've always known you cannot control anyone except yourself. So I went to war against myself and I tried to control, mangle and corral myself into being perfect and into being able to tolerate and accept anything without needing or wanting anything and without judging or discerning anything about anyone ever. And it still wasn't enough. I saw that as that passage was being read, I was at this spot on the freeway where five years ago, in the thick of this abuse, I had been tempted to run my car off of the road at 80 miles an hour. Mm. Not that I wanted to die, but I wanted the pain to stop. Yeah, very like, different things. Very as different things. I, yeah. I said, I've told you that before, I said I wanted to die, and you're the one that said, no, you wanted the pain to stop, and that's correct. I've never wanted to die, ever. But I wanted, I needed the pain to stop. And I almost smashed my car. I really did. It was the scariest moment of my whole life. And as I heard this passage, I was at that exact same spot on the freeway. Wow. And it felt very divine. It felt like it was from spirit that I would have turned it on for that moment to line up with that spot on the freeway. And then, as if that weren't enough, it says the name of the person who gave that quote, Lucy. And I just burst out laughing because I felt so supported. 
Mm. Like I was being told, you are on the right path. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. You are not crazy. You are healing. No, and you're not. what you were under was abuse. Make no mistake about it. So I Make want no to- Make no mistake about it. I no. mean, now you are in the position you're in so far away from it. There is no question. And no you, question. And the research that you've done and all of that, you know, if you ever need a reminder, which I don't think you do, it's... Oh, you do. I will oh, fucking yes. your brain, your brain fucks with you. You definitely need reminders every I will day. fucking remind you because that... It's factual. It's factual. It is scientifically studied. It is a thing. It was abuse. And it is yeah. still continuing with many people in that group. And let's not even go there because sometimes I just want to take a sledgehammer and break the whole thing apart. But I won't because live and let live. Uh, I want to take a sledgehammer and break that bitch apart. All I can do is take responsibility for myself, but not in the way that that quote described, because it says, I've always known I can't control anyone except myself, so I went to war against myself. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I will not do anymore. I'm not ever no. going to be. I had a, uh, I have a, another medium in my life who I've known for 15 years. His name is Dr. Ryan. And he told me multiple times, you are at war within yourself. And he didn't know what he was referring to because I didn't tell anyone I was in this abusive mm -hmm. situation. But that's what it was. I was at war with against myself for so long. And that's what I am no longer willing to do ever again. And so that's been what my week's been about. I, it, it, you know, as I'm busy with my projects, which I am creating a television show right now and doing all kinds of stuff and working on a book. I've been working through this personal stuff yeah. and, and I wanted to share it here because I think it is common and I think people are under narcissistic abusive dynamics and they just think they're nuts. But I want to say very clearly that you're not nuts and there are many resources that I will offer in our show notes that will help you. I think that with regard to you saying like, oh, I want to smash the whole thing apart. Yeah. That's like so frequently my reaction to things. Like, you know, yeah. how I went through that phase or with that specific situation where I was like, I just, this isn't right and this shouldn't be happening and I want to bust in the saloon door and shoot the roof and like the whole yeah. thing. And I was in this zone where it's like, it's on me. I've got to, I've got to be the one to stop this. And it's like, no, I really don't. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And that was when we were talking about the live and let live stuff, as you said, but also what the message I was getting at that time was constantly as well, if I was willing to listen was... Live and be the example. So you don't need to bust down the doors of the high control group and <laughs> bring a bitch down. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, if the best way that you can affect change in that group is to by living out. out, to speak out, live out loud your experience. And do the work to get myself back on track. Exactly. And... That's the best way you can dismantle something like yeah, that, that is that, by being living proof that it's bullshit. Reclaiming the self. I think that's what we're all after in life. I don't mind feeling 
ashamed and embarrassed as I get that message across. <laughs> God, yeah, that's been such a, it's been such a crazy thing for us this week. Like we've both been feeling, I mean, me specifically, this week has been so crazy for me with self-loathing, like judgment stuff. And I haven't felt this way in such a long time. I feel like it's really coming to a head in me where it's, I'm just judging myself so harshly and I am trying to be a bit more like you at this moment specifically where you're saying like I don't mind being going out on a limb or being humiliated or whatever and I guess it comes from the leads into the conversation that we had last week with Nova Mm -hmm. about that voice in our head that is so persistent that ego is going the the ego and you talking about going to war with yourself, you know, that voice in me is strong at the moment, really, really strong. And I'm mm. desperately trying to have it shut the fuck up because mm. it's robbing me every day of... It does rob us of our life. I mean, it fucking robbed us of an hour and a half of our time this week because I would just couldn't... <laughs> couldn't break through that ego. No. That didn't want to go there. Even today, it it was, you know, I had to tune back in and stop for a second because I could feel myself going outside myself, watching myself going, what are you talking about? This sounds crazy. You're a dumb bitch. Like, the whole fucking time. Me too. I'm like, nobody wants to hear about narcissistic abuse. It's so boring. But then, Oh my God, it's not boring. Just remember that every one of us goes through the same thing. And by saying it out loud, you give each other permission yeah to do the same that is the biggest help you can give someone it's like it's so important i know how much it's meant for me when others have done that for me so it's also ego to think that you are being boring that's also that's also it's ego to stay small it's ego to stay hidden it's ego to stay quiet you're not helping anyone when you're not sharing low self-esteem is ego I know that's a really heavy thing to say because people say, no. well, that can lead to suicide, but it is ego because you've got your head up your own ass. You're not concerned with anyone else and you're not sharing. You're focused on yourself. Inward completely. And that is fucking true. And when I woke up this morning, specifically for me, I've been so, um, like all of my eating disorder stuff since the crash has been so intense and it's getting worse and worse. And in my head, like physically, I'm fine. But mm. the the thinking behind it, the kind of what would be called drinking thinking, but whatever the eating disorder version of that is, has been so bad to the point now where it's like becoming obsessive. And this is morning, that up, is that a worrisome thing? Because there's only a small jump to it becoming physical again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Do I need to be monitoring this situation? <laughs> no, I mean, Sarah's monitoring me constantly. But the reason I'm saying it out loud is for the exact thing that you've just said about keeping each other accountable and sharing and going outward. And it's what Jeff said to me, my therapist, last week was, you need to find, we all need to find a support group who keep you focused on your inside work and the group should encourage the individual work 
And I think that that's what we do here for each other and, and for listeners. And I think that's a really good message for us this week and Mm -hmm. also just in general is like stop get out your fucking head get out of your way if you feel like shit at dinner because you're feeling really griefy then just say something if you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about here i want to talk about whatever i want to talk about here this voice going you sound dumb you sound stupid this is boring it's like shut up just that's boring that voice is boring. So boring. That is the only thing that is boring in all of this. And to say something out loud so you can allow yourself to be held accountable for it is takes a lot of courage. And um, I think I challenge everybody this week, whether you want to write to us and tell us what you want to be held accountable for, we will hold you accountable. Or if you want to say it to someone in your life, a family member, a friend, a partner, just tell someone something that you want to be held accountable for. Simple. It could be simple. You know, I want to brush my teeth and floss every night before bed. And I want you to check in and make sure I've done that every night. Or (laughs) it could be anything. I want to be reminded to put my Invisalign in because I keep forgetting. Well, I hate your Invisalign because it's changing your teeth. So I am not going to remind you to do that. I know. I never wear it when we speak. You are keeping me accountable for speaking with my mother and giving her the apology that I have wanted in my heart to give her for a long time now. So I am off today to go do that. I'm going to go with her to the museum this afternoon. And good. what can I keep you accountable with this week? Not uh, having a full-blown eating disorder relapse? <laughs> no, I woke up this morning. I was like, how dare I be so such an asshole to the body that literally got me through the most terrible, traumatic time of your life? Yeah. And this is how you're going to thank it by... by shit talking it and that kind of jolted me out of it like whoa it should i hope you keep remembering what, that because our sorry, bodies have sorry what do us you through. want like what do you want annabelle you know and that's yeah. kind of where i'm at with that is like just shut the fuck up it's unacceptable so yeah if you want to check me on it fine okay <laughs> i will <laughs> bitch remember your body got you through this yeah <laughs> all right babe well listen good stuff this has been great not the lightest breeziest episode not the lightest breeziest episode but very necessary and i think we'll unlock a lot of freedom in people to have the chance to say their own shit out loud to somebody yeah. in their life i hope everyone's well, hopefully at least not feel same. alone not feel alone not feel crazy say it out loud fuck yeah love you love you to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world We were out on a date in my daddy's car We hadn't driven very far Clearing the road straight ahead The car was stalled, the engine was dead I couldn't stop so I swerved to the right Never forget the sound that night The crying tires, the busting glass, the painful scream that I